Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. I really feel like the Lord has given me a message for the church today. Are you ready for the word of the Lord? Amen. Let's begin with the opening video. If you would help me, media team, thank you. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, and say to it, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life, and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Amen. What I want you to hear from that message is Ezekiel 37 is a vision that God gave Ezekiel. And I think it's great that God spoke to Ezekiel and took him to a place where he could see a vast army. Now, bones, you know, and, and sinew and all those things seem a little bit crazy to see in church, but I want you to know that it was a vision that God was giving about the people of God named Israel and their captivity, scholars believed, in Babylon. So as the Babylonian capture was taking place, all of Israel was under that rule of Babylonian um, oppression. And so what Ezekiel was seeing was he was seeing all of the dry bones and all of the, the lost hopes and lost dreams and, and hopelessness and all of the things that represented what the people of Israel thought of the Babylonian oppression. And, and so God was asking him, look, Ezekiel, look at this valley of dry bones. You're between two mountains. You're in a low place in history. You're in a low place in your life right now. But can God do something in a low place in your life? That's what he was asking Ezekiel. He wanted Ezekiel to not only recognize that it was a very desperate situation, that it was a situation that no man could ever change, that, God, that we can't make hip bone connect to the knee bone and knee bone connect to the ankle bone. Anybody with me here? This is a song, you know it. And he can't bring backbone to neck bone and neck bone to head bone. But what he was saying was, is God able to do that? Is God able to take something that has no life at all? In fact, 
the scripture emphasizes that it was very dry bones, that there is a that it was a dry place with dry bones, no life, no hope of life. And can God do something with it? I want you to know that as I began seeking God, and this is our vision casting service. This is the service where I talk about what I feel God has been speaking to my spirit, our team, and others. Then God has brought forward as an initiative for our new year. Because we have to know that there's a vision set before the church. Because scripture says that without a vision, the people perish. Amen. And so we must know that we are not just living out our days in succession, but we're actually walking toward a fulfilled vision in God. Amen, somebody. That we need a vision that we're working toward. And so you have to have a plan, and then you have to work the plan. Amen? We have to plan our work and then work our plan. You've heard that in business. You've heard that in your own careers, maybe even in your own schooling. But I want you to know that this is so much more than just an initiative of success. This is so much more than just pound goals. This is God's initiative for his church, and it's an initiative that will take place whether you participate or not. It's an initiative that will be uh, handed from God to his church and God will oversee it. Amen. And so we know that there is a necessary revival that needs to happen in our lives. We understand that sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. We know that. And we know that the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Any sin in our life brings death to something somewhere, either death to in our relationships, death to a trust situation, death to an ability to, to provide in an area. There's something that happens whenever sin enters, death in something takes place, and whether it's sin that we commit by omission, just don't even know it, we're just doing it, or it's sin that we commit by commission, by a decision of, you know what, I just want to do this because I like it. God has stepped in with his grace, amen, somebody, and has covered our sin by his sacrifice on a cross, an old rugged cross, and I'm thankful for it, but I tell you that in that sacrifice is a special gift, the gift of life everlasting, and that life doesn't just happen when we step off this planet and go home to be with the Lord. That life begins when the Holy Spirit embeds our life and becomes resident in our life and we live for God with the power of the Holy Spirit animating our life and quickening our bodies. And so therefore, that eternal spirit is a gift of revival to the church. It is a gift of reanimation to the dead things that sin tries to take out of our life. His Holy Spirit, when we walk by His Spirit and by His leading and not by the flesh, we actually have the opportunity of putting life back in dead hopes. I wish I had a church in here to help me today. Putting life back in places where dreams have died. Did you know that God can reanimate a dream that you thought would never come to pass in your life? God can give you new hope and new life, and new joy in places that you didn't even think it would come from, that you didn't even think you would see it again. Amen, someone. You can help me as I preach, because you know preachers will preach. That's what they do. Revival is a familiar word to me because I grew up in the church. Maybe you didn't. Maybe revival is not a familiar word to you, but it's a noun. It means an improvement 
an improvement on a condition or strength of something. There's many synonyms for revival, and this is somewhat interesting that it means improvement, recovery, rallying, you know, a building up, and for people that love words, an amelioration, there you go, there's a big word for you, a turn for the better, an upturn, an uprising, a rise, a resurgent, a comeback, amen. Somebody needs revival in this place today, don't you? Anybody need revival? Anybody need an improvement? Anybody need a recovery somewhere, a, re a rallying in your life in some way? Anybody need the decay of death and, and the things of life that have tried to, to bring you down, to be moved away and sweeped aside and let life be put back in your hopes and dreams again. But as we look at the word revival, we have to know that as I sought the Lord and he gave me this word, I know that some of us are so... Uh, so interested in what God wants to do that sometimes we can blow right back, right past a familiar word called revival. So I asked the Lord, I said, what would you want our theme to be for this year? And he told me that this year is a year of revival for this church. This year is a year of revival. And I need you to invest your faith in that and believe that God can do it. And so I asked the Lord, but what, there may be some that are dozing in their desire and may only wake up enough to hear that this is a year of revival, but hit the snooze button. And, and I didn't want that to happen in anybody's faith or in anybody's walk with God. So I was like, God, is there a way that I can brand this? Is there, is there somehow that I can use this? Can I, can I make it live some way? Can you put more life into it for me? He goes, I already put life in the church when I gave it my spirit. I don't need to give it any more spirit. You do what you want with a year of revival. You call it what you want, but it's still going to be a year of revival for the church. And I was interested in that because I was like, God, why, why would you not want me to take a theme or, or one word and just use it as our, as our rallying point? And he said, because I don't want you to just live on one word. I want you to live on all of my word. I want you to take the word of God and let it be your life and your nourishment this year and let it be what brings you to a place where you become set on fire because nobody wants what you have if you're not on fire already. If you have nothing to give because you have not invested anything in your spiritual life, then nobody wants what you have. It's just another form of spiritualism in our world, and we have plenty of spiritualism. We don't need more of that. We need more revival in the church, amen? We need more revival in our hearts, and that's not a collective gather around a bonfire of spiritual preaching and teaching and word of God. That is actually a collection of individual revival happening in every single heart and soul, a collective revival of a group or people that have an idea that God wants to move and God wants to change and God wants to do something mighty comes from individual revivals and every single person in that group because revival must be personal before it becomes public. And so I asked the Lord, what would you have me call it? And he said, be creative. <laughs> I made you to be creative. Go ahead and be creative. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I gave you wood. You made furniture. I gave you minerals. You made roads and satellites. Be creative. I bless your creativity. And so then I just chose to call it awake in 2018. I want God to do something in us first that then affects the city. 
And as I began to seek the Lord, believe me, with tears and with sincerity, I called upon him and I said, God, is there something that I can do to make revival happen in the church? Because revival is the reanimation of things that are dead and sometimes things dying as you know and I know that hunger in your heart that desperation for more of God that desperation that longing for something deeper and wanting more and not just to sit and hear a sermon not just to hear a message because that's just a mess that's aged amen I don't want just another message I want God to touch my life and whenever the word of God goes over the pulpit I need to be anointed as a pastor preaching to an anointed church and we need services that bring life and we need worship services that bring life and we need joy and peace in the place yes we do but more than our own feelings and more than our own comfort we have to realize that revival doesn't show up in skinny jeans and boy bands on platforms it does not and I'm not preaching against lights and sounds and, and other things and good looking bands and you like it I like it we're all Americans it doesn't matter what God does when he brings revival it is never relevant to our understanding man cannot understand what God is doing. Revival cannot be forced. Revival cannot be conjured up. Revival cannot be something that's built from programs, but it is a pathway of personal consecration in every one of our hearts that says, I want something from God, and I'm willing to humble myself and show my desperation toward God to have it. You feel the Holy Ghost in this room. I know you do because this is a word from the Lord. Your awakening cannot happen, church, until you have personal revival. And revival is a gift of God to this church. Amen, someone. It's a call. It's a call to everybody to shake off the long latent lethargy of the devices of this world and to not fall in love with the things of this world but to fall in love with the things of heaven amen it's a call for a new and sustained spirit led revival like the church has never seen before i believe we need revival more desperately right now right now than ever before in the history of the world i believe we need a resurgence of people who who are godly and caring and loving and kind and willing to let people choose their path but also know that I have the right to choose my path and I choose Jesus I choose to walk with God I choose to live by the word of God because that is what can design my life into a greater destiny God's revival for 2018 can be defined as this an act or instance of reviving the state of being revived a is renewed attention to an interest or in something I want to hopefully inspire you to have a renewed interest in the moving of God's spirit when we leave here a new presentation or publication of something old a registered force or a, a, a present restoration a restoration of force, validity, or effect. That sounds to me like something I want. How about you? Do you want revival in your personal life? Lord, that's great. I, I really need it. The Lord is uh, speaking to Ezekiel here. He takes him and shows him a vision because God's the type of person that will not be dishonest. He takes him around the entire vision and shows him 
the extent of the dry bones. He shows him how dry they are. He shows them how bad the situation is. God wants you to be honest in your situations, amen? If it's bad, tell the Lord it's a bad situation. I'm not going to mince words. I'm not going to soft soap it, Lord. I, I need your touch on something that I can't change. Maybe for you, it's a place where you don't want anybody to know about. And as a preacher, I have to deal with uncomfortable things from a pulpit all the time. But I want you to know that if it's addiction, if it's a place where you can't break free from, there's help for you. But I want you to know you got to get honest with that addiction. You got to get honest with that inability to stay away from that website. You got to get honest with that place where you found a place of inability to walk away from. I think it's important that we say, Lord, help me in an honest way to look really closely at the situation. I think if I was to throw out anything to you today, I would say that God wants an awakening for this city, and I believe it. And I began to pray and seek God, what can we do and I felt the Lord tell me that we will never awaken a city until we awaken the church itself. The church itself must wake up. We have too long, and I'm not being harsh here. I'm a very kind person. You know me. I'm very easygoing. I like to joke. And even though I got jokes, I'm telling you, this is the real deal here. God's spirit is drawn to holy things because it's a holy spirit. And it's a magnet to God when we separate ourselves from the world and we begin to seek God in ways of separation and kind and kindly walk with God in our own personal lives with convictions that we don't have to push on anybody else, but they're convictions that lead us to a holy life in God. God is drawn to holiness, amen, because he is holy. Amen, somebody. But if you want to call it anything, I think we need to call it personal revival. Personal revival. And so whenever God touched my heart, I began to drive the city. And I began to ask God, what does five years look like? What does 10 years look like? You know how you do. You plan. You look around. You say, God, I don't know what this is going to look like in a few years. I believe we're going to go to two services in this room. I believe we're going to pack it out to about 175 a service. And when we're running 350 people, I believe God's going to open the door to a building that he drove me into the parking lot of. And it's the building of Fun World. And I found it not because I wanted to find it. I found it not on human interest or, or the ability to of, of self, you know, promotion or anything like that. I don't even want the troubles that are in this building, but I believe the Lord took me to that building and parked me in the parking lot. And he said, do you want this? Because you see, when he talks to Ezekiel, he asks him a question. He said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, Lord, you know, I, I don't know if you can do something so amazing as to make bones reanimate and make something dry and dead come back to life. But Lord, you can do it. In other words, what God was asking was not a question that he didn't know the answer to for Ezekiel. He was not asking him, do you know the answer to this question? He was asking him, do you want it? 
He was asking Ezekiel, this valley of dry bones is a place where you can have a new revival, a new hope, a new joy show up. You can have something happen where there is a reanimation and there is a breath that comes into them and they stand up as a mighty army for God. But if you want that to happen, I'm willing to work with you, Ezekiel, and make it happen, but only if you want it. And that is the question I have to ask the church today. Is that I believe that God wants to give us this building within 10 years in a church of 500 souls. I believe that with all my heart. Because whenever I drove in there, I wasn't necessarily looking for a building. I was praying and driving and looking for what God would do in the city. I thought God would take me to the, the hub of where all the government is down in, up on Calhoun Road. Funny that it's named after me, but that's okay. Um, we'll just be Pastor Calhoun. We'll build a church on Calhoun Road. It'll be really special. No, it won't. It won't be like that because I'm not building a church for myself. I'm going to help build this church. Then I'm going to retire and I'm still going to be a dad and a father and I'm going to love my family and I'm going to live for the Lord even if I'm still not pastoring but God will give somebody else to pastor the church even if it is people at 500 but I believe this I believe that God wants to give us a campus of no more than 500 souls and then he wants to have us branch out and start a church in Pewaukee and start a church in other places so there'll be multiple campuses but not use more resources than a seating place of 500 people so that we can use those resources to reach other souls and to reach out into other communities. Anybody know that God wants to take his gospel more than just to one place? And I believe this is what God would do if we want it. But he's asking us, do you want it? And believe me, I want it like nothing else. I don't want a reputation. I, I don't want a big name. I don't want to even have anything said of me at the end except for that he was a servant of the Lord. That's what I want my moniker to be. And I've looked over my job title. Believe me, I'm supposed to be the president of the corporation, which is the church. I'm supposed to oversee the finances. I'm supposed to do all of these different job titles. But when it gets to the end, I want someone to just write my epitaph and say, he served the Lord with gladness. He served the Lord with gladness. And the reason why I can tell you that I'm grateful to serve the Lord is because he will protect and he will give me a pursuit of his purpose if I just serve him with gladness. Amen, someone. Amen. So God was not asking Ezekiel for an answer because it was impossible. Hello, somebody. It's impossible for bones to live. I am a funeral director. I know what it's like to deal with death on a regular basis. And I want you to know that people don't sit up <laughs> When they're dead, this stuff doesn't happen. This is impossible with man. This does not take place. I remember one time we were having, excuse the story because I'm just a storyteller. One time we had an apprentice and we decided we were going to scare him half to death. How many know you can scare an apprentice in a funeral home? So we decided we were going to scare him half to death. And so we got Jeremy, a friend of mine. He was not in the church, but he was a friend, a work friend. We got him in an empty casket and we left the casket kind of cracked open. And uh, we brought in the apprentice and we're showing him around the funeral home and we got him near the casket and Jeremy just reaches out and grabs him by the hand and that apprentice, we found him in the parking lot. <laughs> ran all the way out of the church. <laughs> no, I mean, ran all the way out of the building. How many know that something dead does not come back to life, amen? 
But this is what Ezekiel was being asked to know. Do you want these bones to live? Do you want something to come from a dead place? And you know what? I want every dream that you have in your life to come back to life again. Amen. I want every hope that you thought walked out. I want every relationship that you thought would never repair. I want it to repair for you. I want things to happen in 2018. It's... 2018 ends with the letter eight, which is God's number for new. I don't know if you know that, for new things. I want every dream you've got, whether it's big or small, whether it's audacious or whether it's barely anything you think would show up in anybody's mind as a dream. I want it to happen for you, but I want it to happen if it's the will of the Lord for your life. I don't want it to happen if it's not God's will, because if it's not God's will, you will struggle and you will try and you will effort and it will never turn out because God knows more and God wants more for you than for you to have your best. He wants you to have his best for you. And whether you know it or not, his best for you will always be your best for you. Amen, somebody. Because we don't always understand our desires. Look at your phone. You get a new phone. You have it for a year. You want a new one. This is the way the world works. We're sold on new. Everything new. Got to be new. I'm not preaching something that I don't experience. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you got an iPhone 10 for Christmas. I don't know if you did. For the materialistic ones among us, maybe you did. I'm kidding, of course. But everything has got to be new. New car, new this, new that. And guess what it is? It's just that over, that desire to have the next thing, the, the, the better thing, the upscale, the improved, and God is going to hand you that. So if you think that you can orchestrate your best life, I want to encourage you to surrender your life to God because a life surrendered to God will give you your best life. It will. That's not psychology. That's God's work in our life. God is not asking for you to know how it's going to be done. He's asking you to surrender it to you, to him. I know what it's like to live blessed, but we must first have a blessed life in God. I, so I began to focus on revival, rev realizing that it must be personal before it's public. And so I asked God to give me a personal revival, a revival in me, Elizabeth. And he took me to 620 Elizabeth Court. <laughs> Funny that happened. Where this building's at and said, Lord, I said, Lord, I, I don't know if I want this. I need you to create a desire in me for it if that's what you want for your church. And then he drove me over the hill and he showed me a house. He said, would you like that house? And I said, yes, I would like that house. And he said, you can have it if you want it. And we're going to the open house today to see if God will do it. That's weird, I know. Don't think that I don't think that's weird. I don't think that I just have an antenna up and I hear from God better than anybody else. I'm just telling you, this has never happened to me before. God has never taken me to a building and said, you can have that in 10 years if you want revival. And he never drove, driven me over that same hill three minutes away and said, you can have that house if you want it. God's never done that for me. And so I'm fighting back tears right now because... I've never been here before. But that is why revival is such a gift. 
because he can take a workload that's heavy and he can make it light. Stood on the corner last weekend of Mr. B's. Oh, Lord, they have some great seafood. Dear Lord. And I just looked down Bourbon Street, New Orleans, and saw all the sin and debauchery and the bodies that are broken from their, their lifestyle. And I was overwhelmed with the need for revival in our nation. And I'm flying back to Arizona. My plane's warming up right now. And I have a heavy workload, but God has made it light. Because he showed up, and he's given me life every day. How long has it been since you woke up and put your feet on the floor and were happy and excited to go to work? Happy and excited to go to church. Would you like that again? If you don't have it, you can have it. It's called an awakening in your spirit. It's an awakening in your heart, in your life. It's an awakening that's only given by the power of God. It's when God shows up and says, you can have this and you can have that. And you can take it by authority because I'm going to give it to you. And it's not because you're so good. It's because I'm so good. That's the kind of God I serve. That's the kind of God that shows up when I'm out of energy and says, here's some energy for you so you can go to the pulpit and you can preach what thus saith the Lord so that you can have your own personal awakening and you can say, you know what? God is speaking to me so I can speak as though God has spoken to me and I'm grateful for his word that confirms everything he says to me because if God says something to you and it's not confirmed by his word, it's not the Lord speaking. Amen, somebody. But I'm grateful that I walk in the word because I'm, I need God to show up in a powerful way. He's asked, he's asked me to do some things in my life this year that I'm telling you is radical, but I'm going to do it because I want God to move in a very special way. He's asked me to create more story and not so much stuff in my life. He's asked me to do more structure so that I have less stress. Amen, someone. You know you need this too. How many know that in order for you to have movement that God wants you to do some things in your life to give you a move forward this year. Amen. This is going to be a new year for you and a new day. God wants to give you movement without creating mess though. God wants to give you an anointing without creating an absence in your life. He wants to give you a fullness in your life this year. God wants to give you a covering that doesn't lead to any carelessness. God wants you to be cautious of the things that he wants you to do while still giving you blessings. But you, you must not forget the blesser. Amen, somebody. God wants to give you a life, not strife. God wants to give you all that this year. So my question is for you, do you want revival personally? And as I went to St. Google, <laughs> I found that St. Google had a good way of breaking revival up because I just looked for the definition did we show the building already? Did we do that, media team? Thank you. This is the place where I feel like God wants to take us to. That whole area right there used to be a um, Ferris wheel. It's called Fun World. That all is not load-bearing. We'll take that all out and make it into a church. How many can see a church in that space? How many can believe that? God can do it. Amen. If we need a million dollars, God can do a million dollars. If we need 10 million, he can do 10 million. I'm crazy enough to believe it because I've watched it happen before. I've watched God do some amazing things. I've watched God do stuff from my grandparents till now. My grandparents didn't have any money. In fact, 
Brother Dan, I'm looking at Brother Dan in the hallway right now, and he plays guitar. My grandparents, my grandfather had a Gibson guitar that started, he started three churches with a Gibson guitar. He would stand on a street corner and pick and grin. And he would sing old hymns that you don't even know. And he would get a crowd gathered around because he was picking and playing and singing. And then he would put his guitar down and pick up his Bible and start preaching. And that's how you built a church back in the day. That's rough, amen. That's, that's a hard start right there. So he would do that. But he did that. And then they got into a church building. And they were still picking and grinning, Reese. They only knew C, G, and F. That's all they knew. That's all they could pray. C, G, and F. Every song was C, G, and F. It was rough. It was rough. Worship was rough. But they had good preaching. And my grandfather was anointed of God. And he was called. And he was just a fireball. And he'd get up and take something and make a lesson out of it. And you walked away and you lived on it. Amen. You lived on that word. And so what was interesting was he got he and my grandmother got so sick of C, G, and F. Amen. You would too. That they walked into the back of the church one Sunday. And they both knelt down. And they prayed together. Took hands and prayed together. And they said, God, would you bless our children with musical talent? Because they had a... A bevy of children. They didn't uh, apparently know what where they came from, but they just had a bunch of kids. So they had a bunch of kids, and they said, "You know what? This is a good band. We'll make. We'll ask God to help them to be the band." And so they began to pray. And my grandparents prayed the prayer, "Would you bless our kids with musical talent?" And I tell you, because my sister's sitting right there, she can affirm it that our aunts and uncles, most of them, play one, two, and sometimes three instruments. Amen. We God blessed them with musical talent. This is weird, I know, because you think that God would just, you know, tell them, okay, you want musical talent? I'll bless you with musical talent. But what they were willing to do was they were willing to put themselves aside and say, we may not have the gifts that we need to do what we need to do, but God, would you put it in the church? Would you put it in the next generation? Would you put it in somebody coming up in the back row back there? I'm talking to you boys. I'm saying, would God put it in somebody that needs to, that has a desperation to be used by God and then take their talents and do something with it and and show heaven that I'm thankful you gave it to me but I'm gonna give it back to you somehow and my parents had this revival take place and they didn't have enough money to pay for anything I mean it was like when people came over they just added water to the gravy and biscuits you know what I mean or added water to the chili because they didn't have any money. And I remember my grandmother was desperate. She didn't have groceries in the house. There was nothing they could do. And my grandfather walked in. They, they were living in the back of the church. And then the church was in front. And so you, get, you don't get away from church when you live at church. Amen? People come knocking on your door. People would show up and give them two chickens. You know, like this is their tithe. Like 10%. What do you have? 20 chickens, so you brought two. That's awesome, right? But that was the way people did things back then. But they didn't have any money. They needed to pay the light bill at the church. And my grandfather would walk to the mailbox praying, Lord, I need something from you. I need something. I need money. I need some way to pay this light bill at the church. And he would go to, and he walked to the, he told the story. I sat on a bench and he told the story to me. And he opened the mailbox and he looked at it and there was nothing there. He goes, God, where are you? And he turned around to walk back across this. I can hardly tell this story without cracking up because it's so powerful. He turned around to walk back across the street and a car pulls up and the window goes down and a lady reaches out with an envelope. She said, I just won't pay my tithes, pastor. (laughs) 
and she hands him enough to pay all of the bills. One second, he's looking at an empty mailbox. The next minute, all his bills are paid because that's how God will work. Yeah, that's what revival I'm talking about. A revival where God will bless each one of your personal lives so much that you're able to bless the church and that you're able to stand there and go, it may be a monetary gift that I give or it may be my talents that I give, but I'm going to make a place where there's a harbor for souls that are lost and for the saving of a people in a city. Amen, somebody. What is your legacy going to be? Your legacy is going to be a, a plaque on a wall of having done good things and accomplished goals. Thank God for that. I have a bunch of stuff that I need to get framed right now to put on the wall that would probably impress some people. But guess what? It still sits in my office because I'm not concerned with impressing people. I'm concerned with impressing Jesus. I want him to be impressed. I want there to be a, a statement at the end of my life, well done, not well said, not well pretended, not well, you look well, you look, you look great doing it, but well doing, well done, thou good and faithful service, servant. I think, I think that I can say this, we need an awakening in the world because there's a soon coming king. That's a fact. But it will not happen without revival in the church. And I'm wondering, do you want a revival? So the revival that I'm talking about, we're going to break revival into several things. And number one is the RE in revival. The RE in revival, RE in revival is we're going to revisit the things that bring life from the word. We're going to revisit the things that bring hope and change. There's five things that have to happen, and I'm wrapping up, for us to have revival. Yes, we have to ask for the old paths to have new oil. That's true. But we have to also revisit the things that we consecrated in our life. We have to revisit the places that set our soul on fire in the first place. Because your story is what changes people's life. I could stand here and I could talk all day and not move you at all in the heart. But whenever I began to tell my story and what's been happening to me, did you feel the change in the room? Your story is what brands whether or not there's revival in your life. But your story is changed when you go back to the places that changed you initially, the places that gave you life and hope, your dedication the first time you came to God. What, what was it like and what were you experiencing? The, the, the feelings that you feel when you, when you fell in love with something about the Word of God or that one Psalm, maybe 69, that got you through a hard place in life or maybe that place where you did not have the ability to change an outcome but you just kept on putting the Lord's name on it in Jesus' name. Every time it came up and you worried about it, you just put the name on it and said, in Jesus' name, and God got you through it. Where was the place where your heart was sparked? Find that place and emphasize that in your story, and your story will light you up, and your story will then light up your world. Amen, somebody. Five things we need for revival, and it's indicated in Ezekiel 37, the framework, the bones. We need prayer. We need a desperate cry because God honors desperate cries. Amen? Amen? 
we need the muscles to come together. And that is kind of like the movement, what moves things, fasting, sacrifice of sincerity is what's needed, fasting. And then the skin is that thing that covers us. And it's, it's that thing that we're talking about where you have investment. You have, they say, skin in the game. You have an investment in this thing. It's, it's being humble enough to invest yourself in something and take on a role of humility. Revival must have prayer, fasting, and humility or a removing of sin and temptation. And then the last thing is spirit. And that is found in consecration. It's an old word. It's a call to holiness. When you move toward holy things, God moves toward you. That's a desperation. And I have Latin and origins and things that come from the word consecrate, but I have been long and I want to jump ahead and I want to tell you, yes, we need altar calls. Yes, here we encourage dancing and shouting and worshiping because I feel like if you've ever been where I've been and seen what God has brought me out of, you would dance and you would shout and you would worship too. Because I am not set free from a Packers touchdown, but I know people that paint themselves green and don't wear shirts, and you know what I'm talking about, and they do that to celebrate their team having a victory. But my team, the team that I'm on, happens to have a victor who died for me. And so whenever I see victory in places that I shouldn't have had victory, excuse me if I walk back and forth and I worship with my hands up and I celebrate and a tear falls down my face and I know that I came from a desperate place to a place of blessing and I'm not here because of my good talents or abilities or even education. I'm here because I was desperate for a move of God in my life and he touched me and he did it and if revival got me here, revival will get me where God wants me to go. Amen, somebody. God wants to do it. And so the answer to a godless world is a godly church. Amen? We cannot have too much time spent in prayer because prayer is not the prelude to revival. Prayer is not the thing that leads to the point of the church being in existence. Prayer is the point of the church being in existence. We need prayer we need fasting. Prayer is the thing that the church is to do. Amen? So I have to encourage you to pray. And we're going to be fasting next week. Reese is preaching on fasting, and I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for our young men that know how to preach the Word of God. I'm grateful for it. But I want you to know that fasting moves the hand of God by moving our flesh out of the way. Amen? Hand, the hand of God wants to move, but sometimes we can get ourselves in the way. So I'm, we pray because that is what the church is supposed to do. We fast to move the flesh out of the way so that God can move the church forward. And then we humble ourselves. It's not easy to say that I'm desperate. It's not easy to say that I need God. It's not easy to say that I'm exhausted and I need more of God in my life, that I've used up my resources and now I'm I'm leaning on Jesus' resources, that I've gone as far as I know how to go in the way of walking with God, and now I need him to make me a highway in the wilderness. I'm not, I'm not, it's not easy for me to do that, but we must humble ourselves. And the last thing is we must consecrate ourselves. We have to be a godly church, but we can't be a godly church 
without living worship, living word, living service. We can't expect the power of God here if we don't bring the power of God here with each one of us. Revival starts with you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them revival starts with you. And then tell them you can stand. <laughs> together, let's do that together. Let's stand. Can God bring a life spring to a dry place? Can God bring living waters to places where there shouldn't be water in a desert? It's funny, isn't it, that God loves to bring life in desert places. God led me to the building. God led me to a new home. I hope we get it. I'm going to have Bible studies in that home. God adds to the church daily such as should be saved. We just have to get it in line with what he's doing. What he shall do shall be done. Amen? Shall he do it through you? That's what I want to know. I'm thankful for all of your testimonies. I'm thankful for each one of your story. I'd ask you, uh, some of you have come to me from the preaching that we had right on the end of 2017 and said, Pastor, I got my word for 2018. Some of you came and said, it's this. Some of you said, it's triumph, it's rejoicing. Some of you said, it's recovery. Some of you said, it's, it's um, consecration. Some of you said many words that are going to kind of be a focal point for you throughout 2018. But I wonder also if it would be revival in your personal life. That you get up in the morning and maybe you have a powerful devotion with God. And it's not about who's up in the house. You can do it alone. And it's not about how late you went to bed. You still get up and spend time with the Lord. And maybe you're not a morning person like me and you don't like morning people. <laughs> the people that skip through the house whistling and, you know... Well, I have the wrong socks on and uh, can't seem to walk straight until about 10 a.m. I want you to know that then you need to set your time in the evening with the Lord. But spend time every day with God. This is a word that I brought to you because I didn't feel like I need to polish all my sermons this year but I feel like I need to be heavily anointed when I step in this pulpit every year, every day, every week. I may not have all the words perfect, but I promise you this, this church is going to have revival, and this is going to be a revival pastor. And I humbly confess to all of you that I'm desperate. I wonder if there's anybody else that's desperate. If you've got to go, I understand because our service runs over lunchtime, but I don't care what the clock says. I'm opening an altar right now. And there needs to be a response to the word, yes, but there needs to be a Holy Spirit discussion between your spirit and God. And you have to find a place where the fire is lit again so that people can truly say that there goes a person that is lit on fire. There goes a person who has a heart on fire. They have a passion for the things of God. 
They have a passion for the things of life. They have a passion on their job and in their family. But you have to understand that all those passions, though important, start with a fire in your soul from God. You will not have a passion for other things as strong as the moment you get lit by God and you have a powerful passion for the things of God and it will affect everything else in your life. Lord, there's people at this altar that are desperate today. Just like me, we're desperate for a move of God. Let your voice cry out. Let your heart seek God. Reach for Him in a way maybe that's humbling. Yes, but it is a cry for heaven to move in your midst. It's a cry for heaven to move in your life. It's a cry for a whisper of a wind to blow across you in the morning and wake you up and say, I've got a day planned for you like you've never seen before. Would you like it? Do you want these dry bones to live, Ezekiel? Is there somebody in here that would respond to the moving and the touch of a revival God and say, I'll give you new life in those areas. I'll give you strength in those areas. I'll give you hope. But you've got to want it. You've got to want it more than anything in your life. Search me, oh God, and know me. Renew a right spirit within me, oh God.